Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book. This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at freshbook.com. And Ford, introducing the all-new 2011 Ford Focus Electric with voice-activated sync and My Ford Touch, featuring gas-free power, zero CO2 emissions, and battery management technology that lets you go the distance. Learn more at FocusElectricPower.com. This week on TWIP, are 3D cameras the new HDR? Size does matter, according to the new Samsung Galaxy Tab and the unfortunate photographer's paradise, Detroit. It's Saturday, January 8th, 2011, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to This Week in Photo, a.k.a. TWIP. It's your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. And joining me today on the show are Mr. Tyler Ginter and Tristan Hall. Hey, guys. Hey, Frederick. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome. Tristan, you're the editor of Photo Comet Magazine out of South Africa, Johannesburg there. What's new for the magazine? Well, um, December marked the first time that we've taken Photocomment magazine to a print edition, um, which some would probably view as a bit of a backwards thing in considering we were the first flip page digital publication, photographic publication in South Africa. It was a, a brave step on our side. Broadband is, is still not hugely accessible. Um, and we did our research and, and thought that it would be the right time to, to kind of just expand it a little bit further. We've seen phenomenal growth around the world in, in readership, but we wanted to just strengthen our, our home base a little bit more. So in December, after almost two years of publishing the magazine in online only, we put out the first uh, edition in print. Um, and it's a it's a half size magazine, so it fits nicely in your camera bag. A five size, um, which you can just pop in your camera bag, take with you when you want to try tutorial, whip it out, and go through the steps. And it's it, which yeah, quite a nice nice difference in the marketplace. We're still distributing it free, even as a print magazine. In, in in terms of how people can get their hands on it, is it just generally they go to the website and they subscribe to it, and you start shipping, or how do you, how are you working distribution? We've teamed up with photographic retailers and the colleges um, here as well. So we, you know, students at, at various colleges are able to to pick up the magazine at their their college, um, and then some of the big retailers as well as some of the um, uh, chains like Photofirst, which would have basically been like a, a one hour lab in the film days. Um, so it's got a good representation in good shopping malls and and across the country. We're building that uh, distribution network. Awesome. Very cool. Well, congratulations on that. So nice spin-off for those guys as well. It gets gets feet into the store for them and people get to play with the newest cameras and pick up their latest copy of the magazine. So Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Tyler, what have you been up to in this first week of 2011? Yeah, I'm starting to actually transition out of the Army. I have less than a month left. And Look at that. Yeah, Short timer. Start. Short timer. Yeah, I know. Well, actually, no, they still haven't gotten me an official replacement, so I'm still working normal hours. But coming up in February, I'm going to start freelancing. I got a project that I'm going to go work on next month with my friend uh, Carson out in Montana. We're going to do some uh, those rescue ski patrol documentary we're working on. So we're going to take some cool photos up in the mountains of uh, – of Montana by Yellowstone. So looking forward to that. And then whatever's next is just going to be, I'm looking forward to it. It's one of those times where, you know, freelancing scary to get into. It's very scary coming away from, uh, you know, a standard job. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I'll keep you posted as I'm, you know, broke somewhere. (laughs) Oh, totally. Totally. I know that transition is, is, it's scary, but you know, it's, it's something I've been passionate about and want, always wanted to do. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the freedom of freelancing and, and just working on different types of projects and and doing photography and video wherever I can. So yeah, no, that's awesome. I know for me when I left the, the Air Force, it was it was bittersweet because you know I'd been in for almost eight years and it was 
you know, you become part of the, or the, the military becomes part of your DNA. You know how everything works. You know everybody. You know, it, you know all the routine and all this stuff. And then you're going into something that is completely random and unsure, which is the civilian life. Right? It is. But change is, change is a good thing. And um, I'm looking forward to getting back into the, really the hardcore technical stuff. As I've moved up through the Army in the last three and a half years, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I'm getting up in the higher management levels. And it's it's more desk work than it is out there in the field. So I'm looking forward to getting back to my, to get to uh, hands-on stuff. So that's really cool. Well, when you're ready to make that jump, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll put the word out on this week in photo.com and on the podcast and all that and help you out with your freelance traffic if we can. So, all right. Um, let's uh, take a quick second to give a nod to our sponsor. Audible.com is back sponsoring the show. Um, they're the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. And they feature audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. And as a special for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to sample the service. Um, I am currently listening to Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And this is an old book. I mean, it's uh, it's been reprinted several times, but it is – I think it's the manual that every kid of age should either listen to or read or otherwise consume because it essentially sort of resets your brain into thinking – about money and wealth and how to attain it rather than how to spend it. So it's a, it's a really, really good book. And honestly, I'm not even kidding. I think it's a fundamental listen slash read to people for people just to kind of get your brain around how the people that have money and manage to keep it. I'm not saying I'm one of those folks, but (laughs) people that, that have money and manage to hang on to it and always seem to make more of it. How do they do that? You know, like I I remember when I first moved to Silicon Valley, it's a different kind of economy around here. It's more of a stock option kind of economy. But when I first moved here, I'm driving, I'm like, oh, I have this great job at Yahoo, Yahoo, whatever. And I'm thinking, you're looking at, you know, these gigantic, beautiful houses in the hills, you know, I'm like, how do people get there? How do you get there from living in an apartment? Like most of the people in Silicon Valley live in apartments or townhouses or whatever. How do you get from that point to living up on that hill, you know, and within the sink, like a short period of time. And this book kind of explains how that, that whole process happens instead of going down the road of, Hey, how much is my car payment and how much can I afford? It switches your thinking into, you know, how many income streams can you build and how do you put your money and make your money work for you, which I think is really important, especially if you're a photographer thinking about building a business, it kind of weaves it all together into you know, how do I build this plan to be financially secure in the future? So, yeah, that's really important. I think uh, I, I read some stuff that Scott Bourne was talking about in the past, some stuff on this podcast. But one of the things he said, and I don't know the exact percentage, but you know, up to seventy percent of your time is spent on business and you know marketing and all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, only twenty five percent or so is spent on actual craft when you try to make it, you know, in that next, that next level. So it's important to understand the business side for sure. No, absolutely. As, as, as much fun as, as much, as much as it isn't fun and for artists and all the time, it's, it's something that, uh, is inevitable. You have to know it. Yeah. And I would, I would definitely put Scott board in that rich dad category. Not, <laughs> not so much because, you know, he's, because he's rich, you know, I don't know what his financials are, but I'm, I know he's not eating ramen noodles, but <laughs> at, at the same time, Scott is a, he's a master businessman. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to generating revenue, you know, especially on the internet. So, and I would, I would bet that he's read this book at least once. So cool. I need to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check it out. And if you like to check this book out or a free audio book of your choice, head over to audiblepodcast.com forward slash twip. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash twip. All right, guys, let's jump into the news. This week is CES 2011, and that's why we we had Alex Lindsay originally scheduled to be on the show, but for some reason he's caught up in the fray that is CES and doing other things. So he's over there, and hopefully next week or the week after he'll come back and give us an update of what happened there. 
But lots of new announcements, uh, including one from Fujifilm. They announced a HS20 EXR and 16 other new compact cameras. Am I reading that? 16 cameras? Did you see that, yes. guys? <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> what? Tristan, what, what's that about? I, I think CS is, is um, historically been a very popular place for the, you know, being the consumer electronics show to kind of refresh your entire range. I mean, Sony also had about, I think it's 15 new cameras that they announced. And I think Canon had probably the smallest amounts of cameras that they updated. And it's, you know, and then generally a few weeks later, you'd have PMA, which we're not going to have this year. It's going to be much later in the year where all the SLR kind of action tends to happen. But I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's kind of like, you know, exactly almost every six months that there's going to be a new range of compacts from the big manufacturers. It's, it's kind of a given. Um, and it, it, nine times out of 10, it's, it's just really increasing the resolution a little bit here or, you know, increasing the video quality there. Um, but this year, there's been some very interesting releases, uh, some very, very um, big changes and leaps forwards. I mean, Sony launched a whole range of compacts that, that are doing 3D stills, not just 3D panoramic stills, but actual, you know, normal still images. Um, and this Fuji is, is quite an incredible machine. I, I've always kind of pulled my nose up to compact cameras and, and particularly big zoom compact cameras until I came across a, a website here in South Africa um, called cameraclub.co.za. Mm-hmm. And um, the work that some of these members on the site were pulling out of these little hybrid cameras was incredible. Um, you know, fantastic bird and wildlife photographs. And I mean, you, you look at this this HX20 where you've got a, a 30 times optical zoom on it, you know, 700 millimeter lens. Most of us won't ever be able to put that on, on our SLR. And so it, it for, you know, guys that are wanting to, to try their hand at, at birding and and wildlife photography, particularly here in Africa, where you've got a, a much bigger distance from some of your animals that you you can safely work with in that. Um, it's incredible what, what guys can actually pull out of these cameras. Um, really is. Now, have, have, you, have you played with one of these 3D cameras or either one of you guys? Have you played with a 3D camera yet? I haven't done much 3D work yet. I have some friends that are doing some more on the video side, but I haven't done any 3D photography yet. And I'm, I'm interested to hear if anybody if anybody has or, or – or what 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 that entails for yeah. sure. Tristan, have you? I know the, the Sony has a 3D camera. Have you have you got your hands on one yet? I I haven't been able to get my hands on them yet. I've played with the the cameras that do 3D sweep panoramic, which um you know they they sweep little panoramic function is you hold down the button and pan the camera and it yeah. stitches a lot of images together. Now with the 3D version, it was taking the edges of both sides of each frame in that panoramic to create the 3D perspective. These new ones sounds like um, the, the little bit of, of information I've been able to find on it so far seems that what they've done is um, the camera takes two images when you press the button and at two different focal points um, and then combines it. So it's almost like by adjusting the focus of, of the camera um, from background to foreground and then combining it, you get enough difference to make a, a 3D perspective out of it. So. It'll be interesting to see what it's like, but um, you know the business is only starting to wake up over here and get back to work. So as soon as the person at Sony in South Africa is responsible for that, I'm, I'm going to be knocking on their desk and and kind of asking for for one to play with. Yeah, and I know I know one of the one of the big themes out of CES this year was, is 3D television and 3D. You know, it just, was huge. Yeah, 3D all over the place, but. You know, me, I have to always, because I'm selfish, I have to relate everything back to me and how it affects my, I'm a consumer, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm like everyone else. I'm, I have a job, I go work, I get a limited amount of money to play with, and I invest it back in my toys whenever I can, you know, whenever it doesn't have to go to food. But how, I, I still don't, I, I bought a new flat screen, but I still don't have a 3D TV because I don't want to invest in headsets or glasses for everyone in the house and all this other stuff. And then when you relate it over to photography, you know, I mean, like we, we talk about this, we've been talking about this over the past couple of years. Maybe it's just me being, you know, the crotchety guy that's saying, you know, Hey, this is just newfangled stuff and it's going to go away. But like, I think there's so much to learn in photography, even with just a, a film camera that we're layering and all this other stuff on top of it, that it's like, how can you, how can you master all this stuff? I don't know. Tyler, where, where do you fall on that? Is, is 3D here to stay or am I, you know, am I right? 
Well, 3D photography is an interesting topic. I mean, we see 3D pushed a lot for film, and, and that's being pushed from a lot of the film industries, and it's it's being kind of bombarded on uh, on us. And so – and the reason behind that is, I mean, it, you read a lot of studies on Gizmodo and different websites, and no one's really buying this 3D technology at the consumer level yet. Uh, you know, people are paying for it when they go see these 3D films and things like that. But a lot of it's coming from the film industry. Now, when that switches over to photography, I'm thinking, where is the output medium for this besides putting those photos in some of these films? I mean, exactly. where are we going to have these displays that's going to be able to show this? So people are going to put in the glasses to watch the photography. And 3D in general is very interesting. I look at 3D a lot the same that I look at HDR. You know, you have HDR with tone mapping, which is overdone. And I look at that sort of like, 3D with crap popping out your face and this kind of, you know, it's it's kind of an artificial um, gimmick. But then you have 3D like what was done in Avatar, and that's a very unique kind of 3D. We haven't seen that in many other films yet or types of photography, and that's really setting kind of yourself in an immersed environment. And I can mm-hmm. really see 3D photography in the future as, you know, these cameras get – the workflow becomes easier and things like – and the technology becomes better with, you know, higher resolution uh, televisions. Like at CES, I don't know the exact specs, but I know they've introduced some 4K monitors that can actually project this stuff without glasses and just really interesting kind of technology. And then that's when, you know – 3D will become something really interesting, something that we can see visually. It's not just a gimmick where they're popping stuff out at your face randomly. And I think 3D has a future for that if it's done correctly, just like HDR photography has a future when you really merge those things together and you're not overdoing the effect. Totally. And I I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, one one spin on that is in in defense of HDR photography, you don't need any special gear in order to view an HDR photograph. I mean, you can you print it, you can frame it just like a regular photograph. You can look at it on Flickr, wherever. 3D, you need to be equipped in order to view it. And I and I think there's a there's a disconnect between 3D in the theater, like you go see Avatar or Tron, for example, in 3D IMAX, and you see this beautiful experience, things are flying around your head, and you're excited, and then you say, okay, I'm going to go buy a 3D TV, because I'm going to get that experience at home, and then, you know, you hear the wah, 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 because you're not going to get that. It is not going to be the same experience at home that you have in a theater, but there's, and I think people think they're going to get that. You're not going to get the, that immersive kind of theater or theatrical 3d experience sitting in front of your 50 46 you know whatever inch television in your living room and then you contrast that with photography like i think you know all photography at its purest is somebody looking at your image i think you go into where where i would see 3d going at least for me right now today um is Maybe there's a gallery installation in New York City. Yeah, and they, they give you glasses when you walk in. You walk around. You see these pieces of art that were created specifically for the technology, like you know, like a Rebecca image with 3D Rebeccas in there or something. You know, the other interesting thing about shooting, if you did shoot 3D, is you still, I mean, you're shooting with two optics, so and they their positions kind of like what your eyes are, and that's basically stereoscopic. Now, obviously, you're going to have those two lenses normally you'll have two cameras set up besides the new cameras that have the both lenses built in so technically you're still going to have the original print in 2d that you can use for your portfolio however you want and like you just said i could see for a special gallery something that you get glasses for you walk around you get to see these these uh these prints with a lot of depth in them and i could see it a lot for landscape photography or certain environments but i I think you know if, if you do it right you'll still have the original you know, image that you can, you can use for your own portfolio. It could still be 2d. So yeah. Tristan, do you like, like going into this stuff, like from a, from a technical standpoint, looking at it from a, a, a consumer perspective, I mean, like Sony and these other manufacturers that are coming on strong and placing bets on 3d technology as, okay, this might be the next big thing from a consumer standpoint. And you know, like the readership of your magazine, do you think that people are really getting it? I mean, am I gonna is is the next wave of cameras going? Are they gonna need to have you know two lenses in them, or they're not? They won't be considered viable cameras. I think I think for for kind of the mass consumer, um, th- this is more of a marketing ploy. It's the same thing as increasing the resolution on on your camera. Um, you know, with every new edition that you bring out, and that. It's it's really just another way of saying, well, look, you know, this camera's got something that the competition don't have. 
Um, the amazing thing about the Sonys that were launched is that they're doing their 3D image still with a single lens. So, you know, th- there's there are ways, obviously, of of trying to get um, to make it more user friendly because not everybody wants to carry around, you know, the, a, a compact camera that's not actually compact because yeah. the lens needs to be so far apart from each other. So. It's going to be an interesting challenge in terms of of kind of from a motion picture point of view. I think you know when you one of your driving forces behind this is Sony and Sony Pictures own. I forget the exact figure now, but I think it's something like half of the color movies that have ever been produced. You know, they they have the power to kind of make sure that there is going to be three D content. And and as um, you know, Tyler was saying, we you kind of getting it forced down your throat because that's what they want and they they're paying the budgets. Um, and gaming is a big part of, of 3D for a lot of these people from a home application point right. of view. And if you throw that into it, that age group, um, that because I, I, I'm not old, but I, I don't, I'm not a PlayStation person. So perhaps you know, a 3D bloggy or 3D Cybershot doesn't really appeal to me from from that point of view. But for those people that are going to do it from a gaming perspective, and they're going to have the TV, they are going to look for other ways to to make use of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's probably, you know, where their market is and, and they've positioned themselves really well for that. I'm amazed at how quickly the price of this is coming down. I look at just here in South Africa and we're not by far the, not the cheapest place in the world to buy this kind of stuff. But I mean, the cost of 3D TVs from when they were announced to to what they are now is almost half of what they were. So the, the changes are happening pretty rapidly Um and it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, again, from a stills application point of view, I just don't see where its its actual benefit is. I think it's more of a of a marketing thing to put into a compact camera to try and sell more units than you know, Nikon or Canon are right now. I haven't. I hadn't considered the the gaming perspective, and you're absolutely right. You know, I can I can see some pretty cool. I can imagine some pretty cool 3D games. My getting shot at in 3D. Yeah, like when it, when I do have the time to actually boot up my Xbox, it's it's usually first person shooters. You know, which it'd be pretty cool to be walking around in Halo. You know, with a and actually feel like you're in there. <laughs> so. I don't know. We'll we'll have to keep we'll have to keep our eye on that. In 2011, maybe it's the year for 3D. Uh, maybe it's not. You know, honestly, I'll I'll leave it on this. Both of you guys, if camera manufacturers, Sony, Nikon, Sam, whoever, you know, Canon, are going to invest money in their next branch of SLRs or point and shoots, and they had a choice, would they be placing bet or should they place bets on adding, say, uh? Uh, GPS technology to these bodies or 3D? Which one is more important? Tristan, you go GPS. first. <laughs> yeah, three, 3D is the low of my priority list. I'd rather have better dynamic range, better frames per second. I mean, there's so many things that I could list. And I think, in general, this is what consumers want. I think what we're going to start seeing is a lot more you know, marketing for 3D. It's just part of the politics along with the industry. So yeah. but keep in mind, if you're, I mean, all of us are consumers. We choose what we want to buy. All the TWIP listeners out there, don't forget that this is all, it's, you know, this technology, 3D is not going to make you a better photographer. It's not going to make your story any more powerful unless you use it in the proper way, unless you use it to better tell your story or get better emotion out of it. So just, you know, keep in mind, you're, some of these, it, it's incredible. You know, we started this with all these new compacts of CES and all these little point and shoots that are coming down in price. And it's really getting your hands on this gear that you do have in front of you and going out and telling a story. And you don't need all the, yeah, you don't need all this extra techniques and gimmicks to, to really make it powerful. And I think we'll talk about that later when we talk about this, the story in Detroit. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I think a good analogy would be, you know, if you're a cook, buying more seasoning is not going to make you a better cook. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> learn to use what you have. All right. Story number two that we're going to chat about here. I'm excited about this story is the uh, Samsung has come out with a new device called the Galaxy Tab, which has been all around the news and is getting lots of momentum and lots of purchases, as evidenced by our friend Tristan, who purchased one and has one, has been playing with it. So, Tristan... First, first thoughts. Is this is this a let's you know put it out there? Is this an iPad killer or is it is it uh, just another also ran? Um, 
I, you know, the, the reason I bought the Samsung Galaxy Tab was because in South Africa, officially, the iPad is still not available. Mm. And, um, you know, there's, there's stacks of iPads. Yeah, I'd actually like to know how many have been brought in from abroad. But, um, you know, it, officially, it's not available here. And having played with the iPad and seriously considered buying one when we were at Photokina, um, when I got a chance to play with the Galaxy Tab, I, I really seriously weighed up the benefits of, of both devices. And for me, the critical thing about it, and, and it's interesting how big a split there is on this. You know, there's on the web, there's a lot of people that are, you must buy an iPad because anything smaller is, is not a, a true tablet. It's, a, it's an oversized smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if personally, I disagree. I find the Galaxy Tab, it's a seven-inch screen. It's pocketable. I can put it in, in, out of tight fit, but I can put it in my back pocket and I take it around with me everywhere. Whereas I think if I had gone for an iPad, it would have been one of those devices, again, kind of like my laptop. Am I going to need this? Otherwise, I'm going to leave it at home kind of, of thought process. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say it's an iPad killer. I think they, they, they meet different needs um, in different ways. But I, I certainly am not unhappy with the decision to, to get the Samsung Galaxy Tab. It's, it's more portable. I use it more regularly. I can two-finger type with it. As, an, as a device that I'm trying to integrate into my lifestyle, it's kind of fitted in there perfectly, almost to the point where the only time I take out my BlackBerry is when it rings um, you know, for, yeah. for, with a phone call. I just I don't use my smartphone so much anymore, which I don't think would have been the case with a bigger device. Um, so, yes, it's not as impressive to, to maybe in terms of the size to look at the images and that, that I load onto it. And, um, but at the same time, it's, you know, I, I take it around with me more, so I'm showing more people more, more of my photographs than what I was so before. So that, that was my other question. So how does it fit in in terms of being a, a photographer's tool? I mean, is it is it is the screen good enough to – I mean, do you feel confident flipping it around and showing people your work on it or, or what? Because I know on the iPad you do and on the iPhone to some degree, but it's small. But this is somewhere in the middle. So how does it, how does it work out? Um, absolutely. I feel confident showing people my photographs on it. And what is also nice about this is um, it has a camera in the back, a 3.2 megapixel camera in the back and a 1.3 megapixel camera on the front. So you can do your, your you know, video calls and that on it. But the camera on the back, look, it does look a bit weird holding a, a, a device that's kind of the size of a, of a, a novel in terms of the, the dimensions by the thickness. Um, but, you know, you, you're picking that up and trying to use it as a camera. Um, it does look a little bit odd, uh, but I've actually been taking quite a number of photographs with it, particularly like this week we went to the zoo with my son and, and um, you know, my in-laws, and that's what I used to take pictures with. And I was sharing those pictures immediately um, you know, on, on Facebook and Twitter. And, and mm. so that was fantastic for me about it. I'm even more excited because at CES, um, iFi announced that later this year they'll have an app for Android devices and uh, iOS devices that um, your iFi card as you're shooting will be able to transfer to your device and be stored on your device. Um, and that's going to be even more exciting to have. Um, you know, it seems like there's suddenly this big move also from manufacturers to to have your device more connected, your camera more connected. So, I mean, Samsung um, launched one of the compact cameras they launched at CES um, can be connect via Wi-Fi from the camera to your Android cell phone, um, and your cell phone then becomes a remote viewfinder for it. So, if you can, you know, you set it up in a hide near the bird bath kind of thing and trigger it from 10 meters away using your camera it works as a viewfinder remote control so that kind of technology is very interesting for me and you know for having something that is easy to carry around with me like the galaxy tab is um and there's this continuous development around it uh, i'm i'm excited about it i've I, it's i'm consuming more f- information than i ever did before as well i've got far more photographic blogs coming through on my my reader and and getting the rss feeds all the time checking it and being inspired by other people's images which i wasn't doing when i had to sit down at my computer and and try and do that or on a smaller cell phone screen and i think exactly this this year is going to be my opinion year of the tablets i mean we saw the ipad came out and that's just the first of this motorola came out with a zoom it's the xoom this week of ces Mm -hmm. as well and that's that's a that's a full it's a really an iPad competitor with 10 inch screen and 720p display and it runs Android's new operating system Honeycomb which is built specifically for 
um, tablets. Pretend so, yeah. Yeah. And so it's going to, I mean, this, you know, we're going to see tablets in more people's hands and especially if, as a photographer, I mean, laptops are powerhouses to do a lot of the photo editing and things like that, but it's, it's always nice to have that tablet to show off your portfolio and, and your, any of your work. And then also I, I agree. It's nice having on the plane of the train specifically to read a lot of articles and, and keep up to date on what the industry is doing. I mean, that's, that's a very important part of it. So, so Tyler is, is the tablet or some sort of tablet, whether it's a galaxy tab an iPad or some other device, is this becoming a necessary addition to the photographer's toolkit? I wouldn't say necessary yet. I mean, use that money towards a lens might be a better option for certain things. But at the same time, I mean, it's such a multitasking tool. There's so many things you can do with it. The apps are getting more powerful. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely say if your budget can afford it, it's a good thing to have in your, in your kit as well. But, you know, make those price comparison quotes or options and, and prioritize, you know, what gear you have and, and what might be better for actually documenting and photographing. But I, I love having, having an iPad. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. But the the good news is, you know, who cares what you buy? You know, if you if you get a tablet, whether it be a a Galaxy Tab from Samsung or an iPad from Apple or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of new devices that got announced at CES. It's a new it's a new genre, right? And it's a new sort of area for photographers to display their stuff. And I have my iPad right here, and I'm, you know, I'm honestly speaking, I'm still though I love my iPad and I use it. I'm still trying to find out exactly where I'm supposed to use it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, too, it's too big. That, that's, that's the answer. Yeah, it's, it's I love it. I mean, it's great. And I use it. I use it from time to time, especially when I'm traveling. It's great on the planes and all that. No, but, it is. but I find myself gravitating back to my iPhone um, 4 all the time because it's with me all the time. And yeah, like you said, uh, Tristan, it, it, the iPad is too big to carry with me all the time. I can throw my iPad or my phone in my back pocket, whip it out while I'm at the barber shop, and you know get stuff done while I'm waiting my turn. Whereas the iPad mm-hmm. is sitting at home, kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, they, they're fantastic devices. I think the the important thing also that I found out with this is whatever you do, it's one of those decisions. Don't rush into it and, and get it. You know, think about your spend as Tyler was saying, what, what, what else could you get the benefit out of it? Um, but there's a lot of, of what we are seeing like any fad is there's a lot of junk out there as well. So buy a good one, buy from a reputable brand and, and stick with it kind of thing. That's, that's a, a tip I would stick with. And, you know, whatever, you know, because the Galaxy Tab is a little bit smaller than the iPad, but larger than the iPhone, you know, we can leave you with this. No matter what anyone tells you, size matters. So (laughs) 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 I had to throw throw that in there. All right. um, Won't even get in the line size. (laughs) Is it a 24 to 70 or is it 7200? I'm just going to say that, you know, 7200. Anyway, uh, story number three. Um, this is, we were passing this, the the producer Suzanne and I were passing this article back and forth um, as we talked about this. And um, the uh, the link that I sent over to her was from The Guardian in, in the UK. And it was basically about the, the deterioration um, of Detroit and Detroit being in ruins. It... I think this is – I mean if you look at – we'll put the, sh- the link to this. This is – if you haven't looked at thisweekinphoto.com in a while, make sure you go back and click on this link because the images – and you guys have both seen this, I'm sure. But the mm-hmm. images that are that are shown of Detroit and the state of disrepair and almost – it almost looks like a neutron bomb hit the city and and all the people just kind of vanished. 20 years ago and all this stuff was kind of still sitting there what they were doing you know there's no people there but their libraries are still intact with books on the shelves it's just a like a state of abandonment and the way that i sort of labeled this was it sort of looks like an unfortunate paradise for photographers because you look at these images and yeah though it's sad and it's you know, it's a it's an illustration of the the decline of the economy here in the United States. And Michigan got hit first with the with the recession. But you look at these images with your photographer brain, and it's like, wow, I want to go there and shoot this. And Tyler, you have you seen these images? What do you think? Yeah, this is really powerful stuff. And you know, I think the fundamental story behind all this is, you know, even if you're your full time photographer and 
you might be a wedding photographer, let's say, and you focus on weddings all the time. And But maybe you have something that you're really passionate about, something that maybe is a hobby or just something that interests you or sparks your eye. And that's what this this team, this, these two guys did, and they, they found this um, – you know they they're 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 really passionate about abandoned buildings and and uh, they found this shot online of a train station in Detroit while they were surfing the web for inspiration and it kind of sparked them and then they went out to Detroit to photograph this one abandoned train station and they just saw this gold mine and I think it's really interesting you know to find a personal project and and maybe multiple ones I mean uh, there's there's all kinds of options you jot them down and when you see that you take a photo of that you put that into your category of your your project you're working on it could be a five-year project who knows but finding something you're interested and passionate about and that's what these guys did and they went out there they photographed some amazing things and it's just a really powerful powerful project uh some really powerful imagery and it's because they were passionate about the story that i mean otherwise it wouldn't have turned out the way it did and i think i think that goes for that goes for a ton of stuff too i think you're you're spot on tyler like when i when i do photo walks from time to time here in the bay area and i give the folks advice on what to do when they're shooting uh the knee-jerk reaction for photographers that are doing photo walks is to just take your camera, take as much gear as you can possibly take, and take pictures of everything you possibly can take pictures of. And then sift through it later and find the nugget of gold in all the the sand, and then that's your image. So conversely, what I say or what I suggest to do is, in your mind, pick a specific theme or topic of what you want to capture that day, whether it be today I'm going to capture doorknobs in San Jose, or today I'm going to capture interesting brickwork in San Jose, or people's faces in San Jose, you know, that kind of thing. And if you limit yourself, you find yourself becoming much more creative about the, uh, the images that you're taking. And the same thing goes for what you're talking about, Tyler, with having a project you know what i'm talking about is like a miniature sort of half a day project this is a life or not a lifelong but a extended project you know over the span of many months or years or whatever where you say okay for this particular series of work that i'm working on it's going to be buildings that are deteriorating across the united states or the world and i'm going to go take pictures of these and add to my collection so, yeah and start up some groups in Flickr and and just add to those cat those groups in Flickr or your as you get more and the different ones, different themes you come across, it's it's really cool. And these guys, you know, wrote a whole book about it. You know, it's, it's awesome. Something else that struck me though about this story is, I mean, here you have two photographers traveling from Europe to Detroit to come and photograph that that area. And something that struck me when we had a photo walk that the first photo comment photo walk we hosted um, in December in the middle of, of Johannesburg City Center and. What struck me about it is everyone had a great time, and the bulk of those of the people that came have not really walked around in the city center before and it's amazing how often we walk past wonderful stories that want to be told in in you know photographic image and we live right next door but we don't take the time or we 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 don't notice the potential that's there you know and so sometimes we need to kind of move out of our comfort zones to look for opportunities to to tell stories Uh, it's something that hits home to me time and time again is that there's there's hundreds and thousands of stories waiting to be told there if people just look for the opportunity to tell it. And um, we, we need to sometimes move out of our comfort zones to, to look at that. I, I would have never thought of the photographic potential that lay in downtown Johannesburg if it hadn't been for a friend of mine who goes through there regularly on, on a bike and, and takes photographs solo did it. And I mean, yeah, we had to get a, gr- a group and everyone felt comfortable because we were in a group. And when we got there, we heard about all these stories of tourists that go through and you know, people from, from abroad that go into places that we wouldn't dream of doing um, because we kind of have blinkers on as to, you know, the, the, the environment which we're accustomed to is that we forget that there's still stories to be told there. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, and you know, use, use your resources to your advantage. I mean, we have this powerful internet that we didn't even have as photographers 10, 15 years ago. So, yeah. uh, you know, a great tip is get on Flickr. And then we talked about geotagging in the past, but there are photos you can specifically search for geotagging. Look around your area and start to get inspiration and start to look at things that might interest you. Find those, those grid coordinates or the, the geotag locations and you already have a starting point. I mean, I have a lot of friends that do this. My, my friend Tom Lowe, who's doing the Astro time lapse out in Utah and Arizona for his upcoming film. I mean, that's, uh, you know, 50% of the stuff he's finding is, 
geotag photos online and then he'll get the the position of them go out find other locations around that that just sparks some inspiration so yeah use use those things to your advantage you you'd be surprised what you find your back door that's a that's a great tip and i i would i would leave it on um i did an interview with a photographer educator blogger lecture guy um his name is chris orwig um did an interview on my blog at frederickvan.com with him i think it was last year and one of the things that still stuck in my brain about what he said during that interview was he said here one of his tips was you have a commute normally you know most people have a day job they go to their jobs every day and they drive to work and they get there and then along their commute there's typically things that they're thinking about if they're a photographer or amateur whatever they're thinking one day i'm gonna stop and shoot that you know (laughs) but they pass it every single day i'm guilty as well you know, on my yeah. way on my way to work, I pass this this field that's full of horses, and I'm thinking, you know, one day when I'm not late for my first meeting, I'm gonna pull over and I'm gonna shoot, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take photos of those horses, and I have yet to do, and I've been passing them, you know, and passing them. So, you know, I leave you with this: if you are one of those people where there's something on your commute that, or on a drive that you take regularly that you see, and you've been saying to yourself, "I'm gonna shoot that," make 2011 the year that you leave five minutes early pull over to the side of the road and take a picture of that in you know yeah and if you see something that inspires you on your daily basis jot that thing down because you'll probably forget it you know by the next day or two and you'll be wondering what was it that so as you see these things that inspire you just not jot them down and you might get back to them you never know uh as you as you continue on absolutely all right guys uh before we continue let's take a quick moment to mention our wonderful sponsors This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. If you're a small business owner, consultant, or freelancer, you probably love having your own business, but you don't enjoy invoicing. FreshBooks is the online invoicing service, which enables you to quickly and easily create and send professional-looking invoices by uploading your company logo to appear on those invoices in order to give them a more professional look. Your clients can also download a PDF of that invoice, and FreshBooks enables you to receive payments for those invoices. Your clients can pay you via PayPal and 11 other electronic payment services, or your client can just use their credit card. Additional options that FreshBooks gives you include automated late payment reminders to follow up with those clients, and if you invoice by the hour, the time tracking feature lets you log hours and consolidate your timesheets into one invoice instantly. And if you want to send physical invoices for a small fee, FreshBooks will print and make Mail them to your clients complete with a return envelope at a cost of just a buck thirty nine per invoice or less if you buy them in bulk. So check out FreshBooks.com and let them know TWIP sent you. This episode of TWIP and our special coverage of CES 2011 are brought to you by Ford. Introducing the all-new Ford Focus Electric with voice-activated sync and my Ford Touch. The 2011 Ford Focus Electric is an all-electric vehicle without a gasoline engine. It's Powered by a lithium-ion battery with high voltage capacity, higher than the Ford Hybrid Electric and plug-in hybrid batteries. It's recharged by plugging it into an electric outlet, 120-volt outlet, or a 240-volt outlet upgrade with electric vehicle supply equipment, and by a regenerative braking system, which enable it to capture braking energy and store it for later use. It'll offer miles per charge that's competitive with other electric vehicles on the market to provide more than enough driving power between charges for most work commutes and just getting around town. It may provide cheaper operation as electricity is often cheaper than gasoline, so it may be less costly to operate, especially if charged at night when electric rates are cheaper. The all-new 2011 Ford Focus Electric features sync with My Ford Touch, which respond to voice commands and touch controls for battery management, entertainment, climate control, phone and navigation, so you can easily make calls, play music, manage your battery expenditure, and more. Sync understands more than 10,000 voice commands in total, so you stay connected while keeping your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel. Thanks again to Ford for supporting our special coverage of CES 2011. To learn more, visit FocusElectricPower.com. That's FocusElectricPower.com. 
Okay, uh, let's move on. Every week, our producers scour the TWIP forums at thisweekinphoto.com to find the best questions for us to answer on the show. And here are this week's questions. Um, Let's see. The first one is from Mojo in Des Moines, Iowa. Tyler, you want to take this one? Yeah. um, He's asking, my wife and I like to put together slideshows, and he was wondering if we had any recommendations of your favorite slideshow software to do this. Um, they're looking for something a little more powerful than a, than, with a great degree of control, but not overly expensive, like a whole creative suite package. I mean, the simplest way that I do slideshows and just throw them out there just because it's a couple clicks as I use iPhoto. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but it just makes things nice and easy. Um, there's a lot of cool slideshow presets and there's some advanced software you can buy that's more expensive and that does more customization stuff. But for the majority of what, I'll do just to kind of kick stuff out for family and friends is iPhoto. If it's anything more advanced, then I'll use um, – I'm a video editor by background, so I'll get real techie with After Effects and things like that. But you'd be surprised. I mean it's incredible what iPhoto can do with just having some photos in your gallery, putting them to some music and, and some transitions and, and knocking it out. Yeah. Now, um, Tristan, what do you what do you think about that? Do you have any suggestions as far as presenting your photo and slideshows and, and software? You're a Windows user, correct? Yes, I'm a I'm a Windows user. Mm-hmm. Um, I must be perfectly honest. I just uh, I, I kind of use the approach they do for the little bit of sh- of shows I produce um, using the movie mode in in Picasa. I have I've looked around at at other software packages and that, but I haven't found anything quite yet that I'm comfortable with working um, for my personal stuff. And uh, you know, when it comes to presentations and that, the magazine does, and I have a great team that kind of I've scoured around in that and. I think it's the only thing that kind of makes me think sometimes I need to look at an apple is is because of the um of the the I haven't found a perfect slideshow you know program or something that I can can kind of fit into my workflow and uh, to do that kind of stuff with. Yeah, one one that I would throw in um, on the Mac side at least is a piece of software like Tyler. I would totally agree with you. iPhoto, the slideshows in iPhoto are awesome and magical, and if you have that, especially the latest version. You know, that's pretty much all you need if you want to do stellar slideshows. Um, and if you want to go in the Tyler route and, and be Superman, yeah, you could get After Effects and make Lord of the Rings. But if you just, if you just, <laughs> Not want, quite. If you just want a slideshow <laughs> to show people and blow their socks off, you could get iPhoto. It, it should do it. But also, uh, if you don't want to get iPhoto, there's a piece of software called Photo Magico from Boinks, B-O-I-N-X Software which takes the slideshow thing and all it does is slideshow. So it's not, it's not an image manager. It's not anything. All it does is make crazy, cool slideshows and gives you a lot of control in there over the pan and zoom and all this magic stuff. So I would check them is out. That, is that also Mac specific? You said that, that is Mac specific. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> so you, uh, Tristan, I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, we're going to post this blog or the, the show notes for this episode, I think Tuesday, you will have to do, since you're the resident Windows user, you're going to have to do some research and post in the comments for this blog suggestions <laughs> for slideshows for people. I'll, I'll to use Windows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see now with my Galaxy Tab, all I do is I press the, the slideshow button and it does it. So that, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that, that'll be my answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Uh, question number two is from Eric45 from Sandusky, Ohio. Tyler, I think he's, I think you can answer this one. You yeah, it? I got this one um he's uh looking on doing more photo safaris primarily city style walks and wondering uh what kind of lenses that he would best benefit from and um i currently uh i've been testing out i actually went out with my friend carson a couple weeks in the in new york city and we did a photo walk just randomly we had some flashes and 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 just messed around with it it's actually one of my first times that I was just kind of doing street photography, which, by the way, in New York City, you feel like a total tourist. It's it's pretty it's it's intimidating, and I you know I, I'll I'll talk about that in a bit. Just kind of getting depending on what kind of if you're doing street photography, it is a challenge. But I will say, uh, having a wide angle lens is actually really handy when you're doing street photography because especially if you want to document people. When you first start out, it's very intimidating just to kind of you know maybe even ask people, hey, can I take your photo or can I you know without just it's just that personal thing. And once you get over that, it just takes time and practice. But the cool thing about 1635 is you can even shoot that from the hip, which means you, you know, you're shooting low or high, you don't, and with flash, you can, you know, kind of 
uh, hold your flash in your left hand and then your camera in your right hand and get high or low angles and kind of point your flash and kind of get good at that. So, and, and if you have a, um, if you have a 85 or higher for those types of shots, autofocus will kick out on you and you're not going to get the framing right or things like that. So uh, 16 to 35 is really cool for street photography when you're starting out. And the other thing I'd say along with that is having a long lens, like a 7200 or even longer, um, is, is also very beneficial as you can get shots from far away without feeling intrusive. So um, as you get better, you can get things like the 50 or an 85 and really get in people's faces if you're not, if you're not embarrassed. And if you're not just shooting photos of people, the nice thing about 16 to 35 or, or any kind of wide angle lens is you get low shots or high shots and you kind of get unique perspectives with angles and, and different things like that. So there's a lot of different ways you can, you can kind of tackle it with different lenses. So, so if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you had to make a choice, uh, you can only buy one lens, a 70 to 200, 28 or 24 to 70, 28, which one would you put your money on? A six, I would have a 70 to, well, 24 to 70, the, yeah. the wider, the better. And, um, you know, it's funny cause my friend Carson was just talking, like, he's done a bunch of stuff in Afghanistan. I did a bunch of stuff in Iraq and, uh, just having that wide angle lens is, you know, for the majority of what I used to document, I, I use the wide angle and it's just because once again, you have, you can get really cool landscapes. You can really see the, 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 the city and, and different, yeah. different aspects of it. And, and the autofocus is quick. So you can get quick shots, move on to other places. Um, but it, it's one of those, uh, you know, once again, this all goes back to, if you never buy a lens without renting at first is my opinion. I mean, if you're going to spend, especially a lens, lens over a thousand dollars, rent that lens, Go out, test it on your own, and see how you feel comfortable with it. But that's my original recommendation is to get a wide lens and try it out. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that 24 to 70 um, suggestion. My Right now, my walk-around lenses in my bag are a 14 to 24 to 8, a 24 to 70 to 8, and a 70 to 200 to 8. And the lens that sits on my camera body all the time is a 50 one four. So yeah. that that's that's my kit right there. I have a strobe in there and you know all the other little bits and pieces that photographers carry with them. But you know, that's what I have. And if I only had one lens in that bag, it would probably be that fifty, I think. Mm-hmm. But you know, and moving up from there would be the you know, like my path of ascension to this this kit would be the fifty, then the twenty four to seventy, then the seventy to two hundred, you know, in that and then if I could get it the fourteen to twenty four. But you know, the twenty four to seventy before the fourteen to twenty four. Yeah, if you go to if you go to the like the big picture blog and see what a lot of photojournalists use, I mean, you'll be surprised if you start going down and see how much wide stuff there is. And what they'll do is they'll put people in the foreground, lots of people in the foreground, and then you just get that that vista in the background and just kind of exposed to the whole shot. And you just get some really cool stuff that way. Um, not always being limited to you know a prime or or shooting uh, telephoto. Yeah, Tristan, what's what's in your bag? What's your what's your standard walk around lens kit? Whatever I'm getting to test for the week. <laughs> <laughs> you're like whatever FedEx, whatever FedEx or whatever the carrier is over there dropped off is what you're Pretty using. Much. <laughs> no, but uh, I think look, my favorite lens when I'm shooting full frame is a 50 mil. Um, it, it's I've kind of learned to limit myself to that and and work within the the scope that that gives me. If I had to choose, um, I'm always in two minds about going fast 50 or going for a macro 50 just because I like shooting a lot of abstract stuff and, and things which are I usually find myself needing to get closer with. But um, but a, a good a good 50 more lens in, is, in my opinion, it's a necessity in every camera bag um, regardless of, of what you do. In fact, I think it should be the starting lens for anybody because you – Having worked in retail, you know, you tend to, when I was selling cameras, pile as much stuff as you can on the person before they leave the door, thinking, oh, they're never going to come back. But I learned pretty quickly that the the key is to, to, in most instances, um, I, I tell people these days, you buy the camera, take your standard lens, play with that for a couple of weeks, get used to that, shoot a lot with it and realize where it's letting you down. And then you can decide where to buy from there. Because I think all too often we, we pack our bags full of, of gear and, you know, then don't want to carry it with us. Yep. Yeah. And then so, you end up with a bad back when you're, you know, older, not, not talking about anybody in specific. <laughs> so Tyler, Tyler, what's your, what's your walk around kit? Oh yeah. I, I 50 is my, and I've mentioned this before, but that's, that's the bread and butter having a, having a fast 50 1.4. And, uh, I, like I said, I really like the 16 to 35 on a full frame, 
uh, camera, I, I'll, I'll tend to use those two lenses the most. And if I really need to take a, like if I know my work's going to have to have something with the zoom, I'll take a 7200 out, but I, I can get the majority of what I'm looking for from a wide angle lens. And I, it's, it's just, it's just, like I said, check out big picture and start to look through, you know, if your listeners out there, check that out, start to look through what the average photojournalist documents and you'd be surprised how many of them use a wide angle lens. So what what is your is your desert island lens a uh, wide angle is a uh, you know if you're trapped in a desert island with your camera and you can only have one lens with you would it be the wide angle I take a macro so I can I don't even know I what are you going to document if you're trapped on an island Yeah I don't know it depends on if it's desert or tropical right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah right <laughs> Yeah I think a 16 solar power battery charger <laughs> Right. Send me something. Send me some food. There you go. See, that's the answer, Tristan. A battery or a, a solar powered battery charger. That's what you need. Without that, you're going to get shots for about a couple days and you're done. And maybe some memory cards. Yeah. All right. Uh, question number three is from Butch Gibson in Cincinnati, Ohio. Tristan, you want to take this one? Sure. Um, basically, Butch is asking, you know, without the beyond going into the exact models, what is there a formula to to look at in terms of upgrading from a point and shoot to a DSLR. Um, in particular, he talks about taking pictures at parties and indoor events, and he's been thinking about the Sony Alpha 55, the, the new one with the translucent mirror they launched, or the Canon 60D, and he's not quite sure which way he wants to go. As someone who's owned, I think it's something like 30 cameras in 10 years, and I lost count of how many lenses, what I've learned is to kind of focus on what your needs are first and, and draw up a list of what, what meets your needs and then start to take a look at what the camera feels like. Um, I cannot tell you how many cameras I, I bought purely based on specification um, because it was the latest, the greatest at, you know, a thousand frames a second. And when I picked it up and used it, I hated the fact that the shutter button was in the wrong place yeah. or that it was too heavy or something like that. So that, that is a critical thing. I think if you, if you're buying this as your camera, you want to stick with it for a while, make sure that you hire it if you need to, or play around with it, borrow a friend's camera if they've got one that you're considering, but play with that camera and make sure that you are comfortable with the way the camera feels. Because you have the benefit when, you, when you're starting from a point and shoot, buying your first SLR is that you can make the right decision and kind of need to stick with it. You know, once you're bought into a system, trust me, after changing a few times, it's, it's very expensive. In terms of those two kind of cameras that are for consideration, they're again, very different cameras for, for what they plan, you know, what they do. Both of them perform well in low light conditions. Uh, the again, my decision. If I was just looking at the two cameras which Butch suggested, yeah, the Alpha 55 or or the Canon 60D. It again, my decision would come down to the handling. The Alpha 55 is a brilliant camera. Um, it does well in low light. It does 10 frames a second. It has fantastic autofocus when you're shooting video, if that's important to you. But the Canon 60D is a slightly bulkier camera and. Personally, the, the, the way it fits in my hand is better than the Alpha 55 does. So for me personally, I would probably lean more towards the 60D in that particular example. You know, but that, that would be my suggestion is take a look at what your needs are um, if for the kind of photography you're doing and then go and, and feel the cameras and play with them. We, we're fortunate in a day today where I've yet to come across a camera which I test that is a bad camera in terms of image quality. They all are exceptionally good. We've reached that stage where, you know, they each doing something different in technology, but the, the difference in terms of, of image quality is, is minimal between most of these brands and, and their various models. Um, it comes down to the user experience that you're going to have with that camera, um, whether you're going to enjoy using it or not. That, that's the critical decision factor in my opinion. Yeah. Awesome. Great answer. All right, guys, it is that time on the show, uh, the pick of the week time. This is where each guest gives their pick of the week. And remember, this pick can be a piece of software, some hardware, gear, workshop, whatever, as long as it's photography related. And Tristan, um, I'm going to throw it to you first. What's your pick? Um, mine would be my Samsung Galaxy Tab. <laughs> How did I know that? <laughs> it's just I'm having so much fun with it at the moment, taking pictures with it, keeping up to date on on what's happening with other people on, on their photo blogs and that it's, it's just right now for me, it's the, the best thing that I, I could have. So yeah, it is your, how long have you had that device? Um, a couple of weeks now, I think. 
Oh, so you're still in the honeymoon period. Okay. Yeah. I, I am, yeah. I, I've, I've, I've caused it to freeze once or twice, but I think that comes down to, you know, putting an app on there that's generally, you know, some, some apps just shouldn't be put on devices, yeah. <laughs> but you don't know that until you try. So Now, are you, are you planning on doing a review, a formal review on photo comment of that device? Um, I probably will do a formal review on that from, from a photographic perspective on photo comment in, in the next coming weeks. We, we, also com- we also have a site that I write for from time to time called Essay Reviews, where that, that'll be a more general kind of review of the Galaxy Tab um, and, and you know, looking at it from a, a, a business point of view and everything as well. But yeah, from, on photo comment, we, in the next couple of weeks, once we've um, put our February issue uh, to, to the printers, then we'll... I'll sit down and, and get a full-on review of the Galaxy Tab from a photographer's perspective. Wonderful. Very cool. All right. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. All right, Mr. Ginter, what is your, uh, what's your pick of the week? Well, I have obviously Twip I listen to every week, and I, there's another podcast that I also listen to, and it's there's, there's – um, you know, we, we cover all photography-related things here, and, you know – we don't get a lot into some of the video features and a lot of the multimedia stuff coming out in the future. So Red Center is a podcast and, and Jason Wingrove and Mike Seymour do an excellent job and they primarily talk about red. And the reason why I bring this up is photographers are going to be seeing a whole lot more of this red camera. I know it's all this, this thing that you know, no one knows exists yet, but actually Ted from red had this at CS has been carrying around the, the Scarlet prototype and actually working in hand and I mean, we're going to obviously be seeing a lot more of this in the future within the next year. I, and just mark my words. I mean, this is my prediction. But uh, if you want to find out more about this camera, because we don't really talk a lot, a lot in the show, or if you're more on the multimedia side and you want to learn a lot more about video, there's no other podcast out there that I've run into yet that has more film industry stuff and more video kind of talk than, than, than Red Center. So if you go to FX Guide and check out Red Center, I think you'll really enjoy it. Very cool. Hey, Tristan, wasn't there some news that came out about the red cameras? Yeah, there was, um, I picked up a story on Engadget where the first red Epic to, to be shipped uh, got stolen from, I think it's Mark Peterson. Oh, no. So they, they just they, they broke in and took it from his apartment or was it during a shoot or what, what happened? It was during during in his apartment, I guess, while he was sleeping. So it's oh. that's unfortunate. I mean, that's that's the it's thing not, is yeah. you have this this year that and that's one of the things to keep an eye keep keep in mind i mean we we uh we have some of these tools and then you have the internet and you're blocking about the tools that you have and where you're at and before you know it i mean that's it's just a sad scary thing but uh luckily him and his family are okay and and absolutely they're searching it down the 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 serial number down right now you can't miss it put a reward for it yeah big i think what a hundred thousand dollar reward or something hundred thousand dollar reward yeah yeah. Wow. Well, hopefully, so. hopefully they'll ca- they'll catch the thief uh, red-handed. But it's interesting because they Ted was saying that the intro price they're looking at on the Scarlet's around six thousand dollars. So you're looking at a price comparable to that's, you know one D Mark IV or a D three S to get started, that's and that's going to give you three K um, photos or raw three K video. I mean, it's it's definitely the next stage of the future, and we'll look out for it obviously more on Twip. But if you want to get more detailed information about Red and other you know things that are going on in that in that industry, then that's it's a good podcast to check out for sure. Very cool. It is. All right, and my pick of the week is you know I got to tell you I get I get books in the mail uh, from time to time from different publishers to kind of take a look at and and get, hopefully give my thoughts on a, on the show. And they're all generally really good books. But I got I got a, a package yesterday, and I, you know normally I don't I don't you know unless it's it's really significant I don't, I don't talk about them too much on the show. But this one was really interesting. It's a book from uh, Kevin Kubota, who's a he's a photographer. He does a lot of Photoshop or in Lightroom actions and that sort of thing. Um, but he's putting out this series of these little. It's it's almost it feels almost like a workbook. It's very thin. It's very light. It's spiral bound. Um, it's in the Kubota Artist series. So if you click on the link in the show notes, you'll, I'm linking to the page for this particular book. And this one's by Michael Corsentino. And what it is, it's a essentially a recipe book. So it's a, he, Kevin Kubota is tapping various photographers. I think you know mostly from the the wedding and portrait photography genre, um, and having them do before and afters of their shots and how they pull 
post-process them in Aperture or Lightroom or whatever, and it's like one page. It shows the before and after shot and the steps that the photographer went through to get to that particular shot. It even has metadata of what the, sh- the original shot looked like. And it's, you know, I was looking through it, and it's amazing in terms of, what you can do because everyone that most of the people that listen to the show that um you know that know that i am a kind of a advocate of pushing pixels um and you look at these photos in here and the originals though exposed properly and they're composed properly so they took talent to get the original shot when you look at the after or the post-process shot it's amazing you know what you what these final shots that these pro photographers actually show the clients versus what was actually captured in raw. So the, uh, and then the other cool thing about it is the back of the book, they've got, it's a DVD. It's got a DVD with the, like a walkthrough of some of the images and how he actually does it. So you're looking over his shoulder as he post processes these images in Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever. So would definitely go check it out. It's called the, Kubota Artist Series, um, and this particular one that I'm looking at right now is from a photographer that I actually interviewed before on my blog at frederickvan.com. His name is Michael Corsentino. So definitely check that out. Really interesting stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited that this is an interesting direction that these things are going in rather than a gigantic, thick book that goes into every possible thing you want to know about something. It's just one page of, hey, here's a shot. This is how I did it. This is how you can do it. Boom. And you're done. So... Very cool stuff. All right, gents, we are at the end of the very first This Week in Photo episode of 2011. How do you like that? Look at that. We, we made it. it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. The first show. And I put the pressure on in the beginning before we hit record. This was uh, this show needs to set the tone for the rest of the year. And I think you guys did a, a fantastic job. So thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Uh, Thank Tr- you. Tristan, where are you at online? Where can people go to find out more of the stuff you're working on and all that good stuff? Um, give you two places to look at, both on Twitter. First, um, the magazine, photocomment.net, which is at uh, twitter.com forward slash photocomment. And then my personal Twitter feed, if people want to follow the other slightly off-topic things, um, there will, is uh, Tristan D. Hall, H-A-L-L. Very cool. All right. And Mr. Tyler Ginter, soon to be... Uh, ex-military Tyler Ginter. We're, we're, well, I guess by the well, no, yeah, well, you'll probably be on the show again before you're you're fully transitioned out of the military. But we'll keep an eye. Yeah. On that. When the uh, when when's your separation date? When are you? February fourth. I start my leave. So um, coming up. Wow. So you'll be spending Valentine's Day as a civilian. Look at that. There you go. Check <laughs> where, <laughs> something to celebrate. Where can uh, where can people find you online? Uh, I will be online at Twitter, on the Twitters, at Tyler Ginter. I can't believe I just said Twitters. I promise myself I never said that. You know, you said the Twitters. (laughs) I said the Twitters. (laughs) Um, And also my website at TylerGinter.com. I have a blog up there. You can check out some of the latest stuff I've been working on. Very cool. All right. Thanks a lot. And for you listeners, if you'd like to keep, keep up with everything in the This Week in Photo universe, you can just head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter account, and more. If you're looking for me, you can check out the new blog that I just launched or relaunched. It's at frederickvan.com. I just pushed that thing out of dry dock, so I'm anxious to get you guys to check it out and tell me what you think about it. Or you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Frederick Van. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Mm-hmm.